I asked the Holy Spirit what to share with you. And it's, it's a bit on the edgy side as it pertains to fulfilling this, this great command in these critical days. How do we do it? And this is the word the Spirit of God placed in my heart. I want you to, just, it's a biblical passage you're all privy to. Mark chapter 10. Find that with me for a second. Verse 46. Very well-known story. As you find this biblical narrative, let me begin by stating something. The God of the process is the God of the outcome. The God of the process is the God of the outcome. The process is temporary, but the promise and the outcome is permanent. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began, he began to whisper. He nodded his head. He engaged in a golf clap. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Verse 48 is where we really want to land this morning. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Another version would read, and he raised his volume. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. They called the blind man, cheer up, they said, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, but here comes the line. And he followed Jesus down the road. I want to speak to you briefly this morning on the subject matter, raise the volume. Raise the volume. They reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. He was blind, he was begging, he was defined both by his physical limitation and the actions that he took in order to survive. Simply stated, he was defined by his circumstance and his reaction to his circumstance. Sometimes our reaction to our circumstance is worse than the initial circumstance. He was blind, therefore he begged. But here's an interesting point. His name was Bartimaeus. Why is this important? Because it is, do your biblical due diligence please, it is the only miracle of that sort where the person's name is explicitly included in the biblical narrative. Mark includes his name. Now scholars have come to this consensus that this is evidence of the fact that this man became subsequently a lifelong follower of Jesus. It, it earned him a righteous reputation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to emerge with a righteous reputation. It's time for the church to once again re-emerge, to be known because of what we do as it pertains to following Jesus. 
We must in this day and age, in order to shift towards righteousness, in order to fulfill the great commission, it behooves us to be committed to once again emerging with a righteous reputation. What is the repute of your ministry? What is the repute of your calling? What is the repute of your church? I pray and hope, just like Bartimaeus, that your commitment to following Christ, your, let your reputation be in the 21st century that your church is the kind of church that does not quench the Holy Spirit, but your church is committed to a fresh move of God. Let your reputation be a church and a ministry, a region and a movement that doesn't water down the gospel for the spiritually impaired, that doesn't acquiesce to those that are offended by biblical truth and moral absolutes. Let the reputation be that in your church every single Sunday, the name of Jesus is lifted high. Let the reputation be that you're more committed about the brand of the hope of glory than the individual brand of your church or your Instagram or your Facebook account. Let the reputation be that you're committed to a multi-generational transfer of this legacy of faith. Let your reputation be that regardless of the spirit of political correctness, you will never sacrifice biblical truth on the altar of political expediency. Let your reputation be that you don't, you're not worried if people protest you and if people unfollow you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You are not defined by those that follow you. You are defined by those you follow. It's time for a righteous reputation. Bartimaeus' name wasn't mentioned by coincidence. What we in California would deem as coincidence. There's a reason. Now, oh, open your eyes, raise your volume, open your eyes to a righteous reputation. If you're taking any notes, there it is, point one. <laughs> uh, I, I, this is, how can we? Uh, our reputation, here it is, cannot be one that resonates or reflects the norms and the mores of a culture and a society that is hyper. Let me explain hyper. We live in a day and age of hypersensitivity. Everyone is easily offended. Pastor Sam, I'm offended by your jacket this morning. Everyone is hyper. Hypersensitivity, hypertolerance, we are supposed to tolerate absolutely everything. Someone wakes up in the morning and says two plus two is no longer four. We believe two plus two is five. And if you and I do not believe that two plus two is five, we are bigoted and discriminatory. And we are myopic. And we have to somehow not only believe it, we have to celebrate it. And we have to have a holiday and a hashtag for it. I, we're living of hyper-tolerance. By the way, notice how the people that demand hyper-tolerance are usually the most intolerant people. And then it's hyper-sensitivity, hyper-tolerance, and then there's hyperbole. Boy, everything is exacerbated and exaggerated. And everyone seems to be a victim. It's the reputation of perpetual victimization. Everyone needs a hashtag. And there are viable incidents that need to be addressed and we don't negate that. But I want to remind the church of God that in this spirit 
of hypersensitivity and hypertolerance and hyperbole of a reputation of perpetual victimization we are the church church of god we are not perpetual victims we need to tell our young men and women you are not a victim if you're a christ follower you are more than a conqueror through christ our lord we are not hypersensitive we are not victims we are the light of the world we are the church of jesus open your eyes raise the volume and open your eyes by opening your mouth when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby he began to shout Jesus son of David have mercy upon me he did what did he whisper did he nod did he engage in a golf clap he shouted he shouted what an outrageous thing to do he shouted he shouted the funny thing is that the man was blind but yet he shouted he had issues with this, but he had no problems at all whatsoever with vocal cords. What does that mean? It means we need to stop whining about what we do not have, and we need to praise God for what we already have. We, we need to focus on what we do have. What do we have? We, there are things we have that will prompt, that will provoke, that will be provocative in the spiritual climate and atmosphere. What do we have? We, you, we, you have a faith that moves mountains. You have a shout that brings down walls. You have a joy that cannot be explained. You have a peace that passes all understanding. You have a grace that is sufficient. You have an anointing that destroys the yoke. You have a gift that cannot be revoked. You have a destiny that cannot be stopped. You have mercies that are new every morning. You have the strength of the Father, the grace of the Son. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have Jesus. You have everything you need to turn the world around for the glory of the risen Christ. You have Jesus. I said we have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have everything we need to turn the world around for the glory of Christ. The Bible does not say that Jesus was attracted to the man's blindness. Ayúdanos, Padre, en el nombre de Jesús. Jesus was attracted to your biblical due diligence and its appropriate exegetical application. Jesus was attracted to the man's shout. Woo! La sangre de Cristo. Yes, there have been other occasions in the New Testament where Jesus was specifically attracted to the need. On this occasion, he was not attracted to Bartimaeus, the blind beggar. He was attracted to Bartimaeus, the worshiper. Let me explain because the words that came out of Bartimaeus was not just anyone. He wasn't doing, he wasn't saying, hey, Jesus, son of David was the apex, the quintessential praise. Son of David, as you well know, all those, all the Aramaic scholars out there, all the Greek and Aramaic scholars, son of David Mark Luke Mark, this is this is critical Bartimaeus is you are the Messiah son of the, Bartimaeus is saying you are the Messiah son of David is you are the Messiah there is no greater praise than acknowledging especially in a public setting you sir you are what we've been waiting for you are the Messiah you are the it there is nothing higher than you Jesus was attracted to a man who was publicly declaring that he was the Messiah he was the Messiah and he raised his voice he raised his voice boy we're gonna get into that in a second son of David have mercy upon me 
Hello, David. And the people around them. Is there a handheld mic I can have? I got I to gotta show you this. So because they're, they're, they, I'm going to just, he, he, they told him, he, they told him, be quiet. And the Bible says that many people, it wasn't just one, many of the people yelled at him and said, be quiet. This is, this is what's happening today. No, this is what it really is. This is why I asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share with the church of God? He said, tell them to raise the volume because this, 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 Oh, 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 all over, everywhere we see, they're telling us to be quiet. They're telling us stop saying that. The objective is to marginalize us in a perpetual echo chamber of mutual affirmation where we gather on Sunday mornings and validate ourselves and tell each other how blessed we are. But without having any sort of influence or impact on culture or society, Monday through Saturday, the objective of the enemy is to somehow pigeonhole us and put us in a little box where we are not mine. And they're telling us, be quiet quiet. Just stay in your church. Stay in the four walls. Just go to church on Sunday. Be quiet. But I'm going to prophesy, church of God, we are about to raise our volume like we've never raised our volume before. Somebody shout, son of David! This is crazy. This is this man teaches us that our faith and our praise, our shout and our worship should never attempt to accommodate the critics. We are be quiet, they said. They be quiet, be quiet. How, how many of you have been told to be quiet? And it's not explicit, it's implicit. Some of us explicitly, by the way. Oh. How many, how many of you have been told by others, by Satan, by the powers of darkness, by your own thoughts? How many have you been told, be quiet, be, be quiet is equivalent to don't believe. Stop praising, stop worshiping, stop praying, stop giving, stop loving, stop living holy. Stop doing the right thing. It's not worth it. Be quiet. I'm going to speak to someone right here. Let me just, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it's been a season where forces, both external and internal, showed up to silence your praise and squelch the noise of your faith. I want you to get ready because you're about to raise your volume like you've never raised it before. I'm going to say that one more time. Your prayer life is about to become more effective. Your faith is about to go higher. Your life is about to shine brighter. You are about to raise your volume like you've never raised it before. We're living in a day and age. Where, where's the cam where's the cameraman? Cameraman, where are you? Is that my camera? Is that where's my best camera? 
I'm debating on which thing to use here. Let me, I just want to, right there, give me a tight shot. Yeah? All right. I know I may not get invited back, and this is completely politically incorrect, but I've reached a level of age where I don't really care anymore. So I want you to look up here. So listen, MSNBC and CNN and Univision and Telemundo. There are certain people that will like us to go away. There are certain people there in society that will like us to be quiet. You will like us to stop saying that Jesus is the only way. Some of you will like us to stop saying that, that, that life is not sacred because we believe, we believe that life is sacred. You want us to say life is not sacred. By the way, we believe life is sacred from the moment of conception. This is not a political issue. It's a prophetic issue. It is an issue of holiness and sacredness. Some of you, some of you would love us to stop saying, you want us to stop saying that God made man, man, and women, women for a purpose. Yes, there is a difference between a manual transmission and an automatic transmission, and they are not the same thing. Some of you... You would like us to stop saying that the word of God is the word of God. But I'm here to tell you, if that's your desire, you want us to be quiet and lower the volume, you are about to be highly disappointed. Because the church is about to get louder. The bride is about to get louder. The redeemed of the Lord are about to raise the volume. If you believe that, I want you to give God the best shout of praise you have given him. Yes! Raise your volume. Church of God, raise your volume. Raise your volume. Raise your volume. Raise your volume. Levanta tu voz. Raise your volume. We are about to get louder. I'm speaking to you prophetically. And you're saying, Pastor Sam, is that rhetorical hyperbole? Is that just optimistic, Pollyannish worldview? Oh, this nation in America, this is around the world, but in America and even around the world, but in America, we are more, we are arguably more divided than we've been since the Civil War. And people have told me, Pastor Sam, you're you're wasting your time here because really you think the church has a, listen, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Every single time we've been down this road, every single time when this nation was divided in the mid-1800s, a revival broke out in New York City where people from Wall Street would pray Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock noon where all the brokers, in the beginning of of the 20th century, right in the the emergence of the anarchist movement that led subsequently to uber-socialism and communism. That's what socialism leads to, by the way. It's just a cuckoo ideology, but... But, but at that time, then right in the beginning of the 1900s, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the beginning of it, but at that time, this revival thing broke out in some Azusa place, and then the Holy Ghost came down, and a bunch of different people come. By, by the way, 1967, 1968, the newspaper, read them, do your due diligence, please. The nation is divided again like the Civil War. Racial angst, tension, ethnicities divided. The nation will never recover. 
all of a sudden, something called the Jesus movement took place. More people came to Jesus during that time, according to Vincent Sinan from Region, than any other time in, his, in American history. What am I telling you? Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Everyone is telling you we, this thing is going to hell in a handbasket. Listen, the, the, if, if this is so bad, I want you to get ready. There is an awakening coming our way and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's about to shift things towards righteousness and justice. Let me tell you, you don't need to worry about your children or your children's children or your children's children's children. God is not done with us yet. The Word of God is still the Word of God. We will continue to preach the word in and out of season as long as we do one thing raise the volume give God one more shout of praise he raised the volume some of y'all gotta raise put the photo up real quick it's not I shared this at a couple of the camp meetings here for Church of God a couple of our camp in Florida Georgia a couple of others and and I'll put the photo up real quick. It's not political. I'm not going to do it. It's not. It's prophetic. So as you well know, by the grace of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 10 alone, I participated in the inauguration. And I need to, I need to contextualize this because I was told, I'm going to tell you the story. I was told to be quiet. I was told to lower the volume. Right before I approached that podium, first of all, backstory. The reason I'm there is because when I was 14 years of age, and in, in, a, in a Pentecostal Assembly God church in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, the, uh, right there when I was 14, I, I'm an, I am an evangelical, spirit-empowered Pentecostal trekking, which is confusing, which, which, which means I'm a faith and science guy. My parents are not preachers. My mom was raised in the Mission Board Church of God in Puerto Rico, migrated here to the States. But, but I, I, I doubted many things that I saw in church. 14 years old, something interesting happened. And what happened is the following. This man from Teen Challenge came into our church, never met the man before. He was a choir director. He starts singing a song. He cuts the song midstream. And in the middle of the song, he says, the Lord is telling me there is a, a young Samuel, a Sammy, in this church. The church was a Latino church, very quiet. <laughs> really introverted community. So they, he said, there's a Sammy. I, there's a Sammy. And the church went, ahí está el muchacho. Which means they just pointed to me and said, here he is. There was a young lady in the crowd who saw this happen. Wise young lady. She said, if this is true and God called that guy, I'm going to marry him. We're going to marry up. She happens to be here somewhere. She's my wife. Where's she at? Where's she at? She's somewhere in the audience. Where's, where's my wife anyway? Was she raptured? She's, she's backstage. She has, she has. 28 years later. She, when you're 14 and God tells you this, you're going to pray over presidents. See, I, and, I, and I, I don't want... Ladies and gentlemen, we have to raise the volume, never quenching the spirit. The gifts of the spirit are still alive and well. Are you with me right now? And as people, spirit empowered, as Pentecostals, we could be wired without being weird. Even though, from a biblical standpoint, we are a peculiar people. <laughs> Pray over presidents. I received a call right after the election. Reverend Rodriguez, the president-elect Donald Trump would like you to participate. 
And I'm a lamb's agenda guy. If you haven't read the book, I'm not a donkey or an elephant guy. I was with Ronnie Floyd a few months ago. He invited me to speak in Congress on the National Day of Prayer, Statutory Hall. Packed out, Republicans and Democrats were there, and it was a packed out Congress right there, 100 feet away from where Congress meets and, and does what they, whatever they do. Anyway, besides that. So I was there, and I told them that day on Daystar, and we were broadcast around the world, I told them, the only thing that can save America it's not the donkey or the elephant. It, it, and I, I explained, it's, it's the lamb, not the donkey, not the elephant. And I said this because the donkey never died for me and the elephant never resurrected for me, but the lamb did. The lion of the tribe of Judah did. So, I, and I've served three presidents in some sort of advisory capacity by the grace of God because of that, 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 that impartation, that adherence to God's will. So, yeah, I get the call. Ray Rodriguez, yes. The president-elect would like you to participate. And I said, he's, he, the man asked, what do you say? He expected me to say immediately, yes, but this is what I said. I said, I am honored, I'm inclined, I need to do my prayerful deliberation. Can I, can I pray about this? There was an awkward silence on the phone that went like this, like, okay. Like, you're actually thinking about it? And then the person went like this, I guess we'll call you in a couple weeks. And I went, yes. Hung up the Bluetooth. My wife and I were coming from a very, very important exercise. We were eating at a Puerto Rican restaurant next to San Francisco. So she, it's only my wife and I in the car. And she's looking at me like this. And I'm going, honey, can you believe this? Because it would be the first time Keep the, if you have the picture, here it is. It's the first time a Latino evangelical in American history would participate. It's the first time somebody who has a prayer language in American history. Oh, by the way, prayer language is politically correct terms for speaking in tongues. That's what we'd say it in order for like the millennials and generations not to be like shaking. So, so yeah, first tongue speaker because I spoke before Paula. Ha So it, it's... It's the first time someone of Puerto Rican descent. There's a lot of firsts. But I looked at my wife and I went, so, right? Can you believe this calling? And my wife is looking at me, giving me this look. And I go, but this is, can you, what? I go, what's going on? And she went, what are you doing? I go, well, we're going to call our prayer team, our intercessors, right? She went, what for? I go, what do you mean, what for? I pastor a church that's very multi-ethnically diverse. Our church is 40%, it's 40% Anglo, when in California we would say white. It's 40% African-American or black and 20% confused. Our church is very multi-ethnic. So in our church, you could never tell the majority group. Seriously, I'm going to be honest with you. It's called being an integral, authentic. I was concerned about losing a portion of the church. I was concerned about if these people leave, the budget will change. I will have to lay off a bunch of pastors and staff. I kid you not, because the, the election was so cuckoo. So my wife looked at me and said, what do you need confirmation for? When, when you were 14, I was there when God spoke to you. You don't, need, you don't need any sort of, when God already promised you that this was your assignment. A couple of weeks later, I get the following call. Reverend Rodriguez, have you made up your mind? Watch this. I said, yes. Are you going to tell me what to say? I'm privy to the fact that other ceremonies are scripted. 
Even what it looks like it's coming from someone is actually scripted. Are you gonna, are you gonna tell me what to say? The person said no. What, are, you gonna, are you gonna censor? I know you're gonna censor what I give you. You're gonna want my notes ahead of time and you're gonna censor and chop down and take away. The person interrupted me, Miss Dream, and did the following. He said, Reverend, stop for a second. Listen carefully, quote, let me give you a quote. Reverend, we're inviting you because we want you to share whatever the Spirit tells you to share. Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. We approach a day throughout the course, all the way up leading to that time, the phone calls, direct messages, conversations. Don't do it. Shh, be quiet. Don't raise your volume. Parenthetically. Sam, don't do it. Don't participate. You don't, you don't want to do this. The backlash will be enormous. They're going to have, you're going to have protesters in your church. You're going to have people come to your house. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. You don't want to, shh, be quiet. Be quiet. Shh, be quiet. Two days before I pick up that microphone, a reporter from a magazine asked me the question, are you still going to do this? Yes. Are you sure you want to do it? Yes. Then, then the reporter asked this, Will you mention the name? And I said, pardon me. She said, Sam, you know the name. Wouldn't even say the name. And I went, oh, the name. She went, it, it's a name that hasn't been mentioned in many years. Many years. 2005, January was the last time the name was mentioned there. So it's a, it's a name that hasn't been mentioned in many years because it's too controversial, it's too divisive. It polarizes people. Will you mention a name? God is my witness. I told her, watch. I get the podium full of the Holy Spirit. Just a Pentecostal preacher raised in Pennsylvania of Puerto Rican parents who are now pastors in California. Get the microphone by the grace of God alone, 1 Corinthians 15 10. I get the microphone, look at the cameras, the presidents were behind me, Obama and the Clintons and the Bushes, and over here the Trumps and the Supreme Court here, Congress all around. The Joint Chief of Staff was right there. There's a crowd, 1.1 billion people around the world, 1.1 billion watching live around the world. Looked at the camera, read Matthew 5 and, and read it, and, and I was reading it and prophesying it at the same time, looked at the cameras and said, looked around and said, respectfully, I say this. I wish my wife was out here to bear witness to this. Right before I got up, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, listen to this. I was seated right over here. I get a message on my phone that I'm not supposed to get because my phone is firewalled. If we're anyone who knows anything about tech, it's firewall because of what I do. It should never have come in. The message said, don't go up and don't say anything. There's an attack coming to that area. Tell the secret service for everyone to leave. Now you got to put it in perspective. I'm seated right behind the president, the president-elect, and I get a message saying, tell secret service, get out of there. Right? There's a, and the Holy Spirit told me immediately, it's a distraction, ignore it, delete it, ban it, block it, fulfill your task. Oh, I'm here to tell someone, if recently something came to distract you, I want you to know, delete it, ban it, block it, rebuke it. It only means you are this far away from leap. 
It only means you are this far away from living out the will, from fulfilling your task. So if the devil showed up recently in your family, your home, your marriage, your region, don't be whining about it. Put a shout on your lip and a smile on your face. It only means that this is the season where you will see your assignment accomplished for the glory of the risen Christ. This is that season. So let me finish right here. Let me finish. I picked up the microphone, looked at the cameras, and finished and said, respectfully, 1.1 billion people, I said, respectfully, in the name. You have no idea the warfare. You have no idea the angst. You have no idea the be quiet, be quiet, don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it. But what they don't understand is like Bartimaeus, I was blind. I was blind at one time and my eyes were opened by the grace filled by carriers, atoning work of Jesus. I was lost, but I was, I mean, so, but, so I looked at the cameras and said, in the name of Jesus, not a name, by the way, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I promise you, look it up on YouTube. The president said, amen. Congress said, amen. The people in the audience said, amen. I got texts from all over the world, New Zealand, Australia, Europe, Asia, Latin America saying amen, amen, amen. All over they were saying amen. Why did people respond? There is still power in the name of Jesus. That name still shifts the atmosphere. That is not any name. It is the name above every other name. Church of God, raise your volume. Let the world know that Jesus is king. Let the world know that Jesus is the Messiah. Let the world know that he is the way he is the truth and he is the life and there is no other way but Jesus if you believe that shout unto God stand with me you are standing stand with me you are standing Acts 2 14 says when the, when the spirit of God descended in Pentecost says Peter stood up and raised his voice to a great degree and I say this in its proper theological context and application. It is an oxymoronic phrase on steroids to tolerate the idea of a silent Pentecostal. It's not to say we don't have moments of silence. Of course we do. But as it pertains to transmitting the gospel, impacting, sharing this truth and love message. By the way, it's truth and love don't just give me the whole love thing. If all you do is love, 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 you're a hippie. Christianity is truth and love. 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 I'm going to love them into heaven. You got to tell them the truth, though. Oh, boy, I may not get invited back, but right there as you stand with me you raise the volume open your eyes to a righteous reputation to raising the volume to leaving things behind Bartimaeus threw aside his coat who jumped up and came to Jesus to you that may be a random act to a poor blind man who is a beggar <laughs> a beggar that coat is one of his few possessions he threw away he put aside 
one of his few possessions. He, he left things behind. He left things behind. What did you cast out for him? What things did you have to let go of? When you let go of the things that define you as a beggar, he will place upon you the anointing that will define you as a believer. There are two yous. There is a you with the beggar code and there is the new you. There are two yous. The old you speaks to the broken you, the fallen you, the sinful you, the fleshly you, the depressed you, the cursed you, the barren you, the victim you, the dead you. The old you speaks to the you that survived but never thrived. The you that was touched but not transformed. The you that saw God's back but not his face. The one that left Egypt but got stuck in the desert. The one that grew up with religion but never grew to relationship. The one that got out of hell but never truly brought down heaven. But the new you, the new you speaks to the saved you, the delivered you, the healed you, the baptized you, the blessed you, the forgiven you, the free you, the favored you, the anointed you. The new you is the blood-washed, Christ-redeemed, Bible-based, spirit-filled, father-embraced, devil-rebuking, demon-binding, hand-laying, righteousness-pursuing you. The new you is none other than the chosen you, the prophetic you, the conquering you, the ruling you, the life-changing you, the thriving you, the glorious you. 2 Corinthians 3.9, if the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? And he followed him down the road. Followed him down the road. Followed him down the road. Can you help me out here? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Gary Bishop, come to me real quick here. He followed him on the road. This sounds like a simple phrase. It's, it's epic. Again, scholars have argued this is the reason why Bartimaeus shows up. Because he followed him. No, he really, he followed him down the road. Regardless of that road. Where you lead me, I will follow. He followed him. I want you to do something here. Go like this. You're here. I'm here. Hold on to his jacket. I'm just like this. I'm going to hold on to yours. Ellie, I want you to walk up to here. This is the X spot. Touch it and keep on going. All right? Just go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, you're, you're Jesus. We're just following you. Watch this. Go ahead. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Stop. Ellie, they miss it. Do it again. The reason you're Jesus, you have the beard. <laughs> I've got the whole way you got. Ready, Ellie? Go ahead. You holding on to him? Touch the X, keep on going. Good. There it is. That's how simple it is. That's what we do. What did I just show you? He followed on the road. God conquers. We possess our children inherit. <sighs> Follow Jesus. God conquers, we possess, our children inherit. Teach our children what it looks like to follow Jesus. Don't tell them, show them. Show them and they will inherit this wonderful, in their own right, through their own personal commitment to Christ, this legacy of faith. Raise your hands. It requires us to do one thing. In a world that is yelling at us right now, telling us, be quiet! In a world that is telling us to silence and lower the volume of righteousness and justice. In a world that is demanding that we stop preaching on holiness and purity. Raise the volume. And you will earn a righteous reputation 
that your children and your children children will inherit father seal this word by the power of your holy spirit bless the church of god lord you spoke to me on that flight coming here last night and you told me to tell them that this church is about to raise the volume like you've never raised it before so in jesus name i release this word upon this powerful assembly raise the volume change the world seal it in the name of jesus god bless you god keep you thank you